This podcast in Lark sounds easy, doesn't it? Well, it is when you've got the right equipment, such as Monkey Banana Happer podcasting microphones. If you're liking how we're sounding now, head on over to Monkey Banana and check out their great range of products. If you're in the market for live sound, studio sound, or just podcasting like us, they're a fantastic brand for you. Find their stuff at monkey-banana.de or check out our website, gottill5.com and follow the links. You have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. You got to the count of five. Welcome to the Got Till 5 Wrestling Podcast. We're back another week on the trot because we missed a week the other week. Thank you to Steve last week for filling in for Max Curtin. This week, I'm sad to say, Max is back. How are you doing, mate? I'm back. He's back. I'm Jesse Benz, by the way. You're Max Curtin. I am. Um, You broke your collarbone. I did break my collarbone. You're a stupid man. This this fake wrestling business is quite painful and requires surgery. Well, if it's fake, you should stop going on about it because I'm sick to death of hearing from you, quite frankly. Um, So (laughs) how how are you healing up? How was surgery? um, Surgery was good. So, yeah, Steve helped fill in. He recorded while I was under. So thank you, Steve. You're a lifesaver because Jesse's incompetent in every facet of his being. So I'm good at this nice. bit. It's just the um, it's just the pressing buttons afterwards to make sure other people hear it. That is true. That is true. Um, surgery was fine. I didn't get any crazy dreams, which I was hoping for. Any whacked out stuff went on, so that was a bit disappointing. And yeah, came round. Bit of a struggle for the first week, but I've got some mobility back now. I'm going to be back in time for the rumble. I'm going to win number thirty. I'm going to come in and win that bad boy. Nice surprise, John Cena style. That's what I'm hoping for. But yeah. I like the sound of that. Step up Hurricane Rana. That was it. Yeah. But you were you were taking it. Oh no, you were receive you were doing the move, it. right? Giving it. You were giving it and then you were dropped halfway through. Yeah, the guy just decided, fuck it, get off my shoulders. Or he lost his you're... balance or something and he dumped me off and you don't really get a lot of time when you're upside down on a six foot five man to go, Oh shit, I'm falling. So Do you, do you wanna do you do you wanna name and shame him? Um, I don't actually know his name. I met him the first time, but I will say he is a dick because he didn't follow any <laughs> kind of protocol, didn't check on me, didn't apologise, didn't do anything. So that, my oh, friend, really? he is a dickhead. Okay, fine. This miscellaneous six foot five man is a dickhead, but also a bit rude of you to not even learn his name and then put your crotch in his face. Well, swings and roundabouts, really, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. I feel like we're all on a level playing field again. So. Um, <laughs> It's like you were talking about funny dreams when you were going under. Um, I watched an old episode of Cold Feet a few weeks ago, and um, the character played by James Nesbitt in Cold Feet gets put under because he's got testicular cancer and needs a ball removed. Mm. And while he's under, he has a dream that he's running naked down the street with a giant testicle bouncing after him, chasing him. So that's nice. See, that's what I wanted. That's what you wanted, right? You wanted a collarbone rolling after you or something. Yeah, something of that level would have been preferential but doesn't well i've got to have it apparently take because of like what i do sporting wise they're going to want to take out again um so yeah it's longer recovery than i thought and probably in about four to six months they're gonna put me under again so steve you might have another gig 
Yeah, Steve, go on. You get to be on Spotify again. Good luck. Good um, luck. So we, that's we, enough about you. We've um, got a lot of stuff to cover. We've got loads of stuff to cover. Let's start with, um, as you would have heard at the start of the show, our new sponsors. We are now sponsored by Monkey Banana, who you've already had the advert at the start, so we won't go into it too much. But we've got a lovely microphone each, free microphone that they gave us, which is very nice. Um, They do podcast microphones. So if you're into podcasting, find them. They do good studio monitors, fancy speakers. If you're into your music and all that shit, it's good stuff. So get involved with them. Um, also, we have an advert in Calling Spots. Yeah, we've suddenly like become popular and good this week. Yeah, right. Calling Spots, for anyone who doesn't know, but I'm sure you most of you do know, especially if you're English and a wrestling fan, is the best wrestling fanzine. fanzine. Um, I don't know. I've only ever read it. Take your um, fanzine, yeah, that's fine. Isn't it? Um, in England, it's a wrestling magazine um, made by fans for the fans um st- stunning guy called neil um edits the whole thing he's lovely lovely bloke um and we should get him on let's get him as a interview interviewee he'd be sure. good wouldn't he yeah yeah um there you go see i'm booking baby you're not booking um, you're telling me to book <laughs> so speak to him is yeah but calling spots they very um, nicely put a nice advert of us in opposite a really good article about braun Strowman, um which is nice and the whole thing is great they've just got a new graphic designer fella the magazine looks mint at the moment go subscribe to calling spots yeah it's, it's a beautiful cover and everything in it and, and it's super cheap if you go on their website you can even just buy the copy that we're in um because after that we don't really care so go, go, <laughs> it's 1.99 to buy a copy that we're in so that's pretty good and uh exactly. i've noticed actually i was so a couple of the magazines went out this week and i've noticed our listenership go up quite a bit and oh, I really? realised it's gonna they're gonna tune into you and Steve talking about water sports and throwing piss on old men. Oh yeah, that's good timing, isn't it? <laughs> Great timing. <laughs> Just what we need. <sighs> so Steve, Steve did a good job last week. But yeah, if, if anyone's um, bared with us, um uh yeah, again the calling spots advert has obviously done its job, that's brilliant. And um I hope that you're all still listening if you found us that way. Exactly. So stick around for at least one week. It's a good plan. And also with Monkey Banana being our sponsor, thank you to them because it's very nice to be just what it feel, makes us feel like grown ups, makes us feel like we're doing something right. But if you go onto our website, which is Jesse Benz, gotto5.com, always oh, a professional, uh, it's been had a bit of an overhaul to it, and you'll see the sponsor on there, but also a new section that shows all of the people that we've interviewed with links to those episodes and to their social medias. Uh, so go check it out because I actually spent time on it and I want my <laughs> work to be validated, basically. <laughs> Look at me, buddy. Um, so so uh, that's good. This week we're doing um, top five based on your injury and Becky Lynch's face being caved in. Um, we are doing top five injuries, um, which uh, wrestling injuries, obviously. And this is, is a potentially dodgy territory to go into because we could get quite morbid. But I don't think we will because we're good people. people but before love that, the Max, morbid shit. They love it. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, you're right. They do. Yeah, Benoit did well, didn't he? The best um, episode yet. Yeah. Um, but before all that, before we do our top five, have you lined up an interview for us this week? I have indeed. I have indeed. Oh, one one thing that just popped into my head, speaking of Steve, um, we're on Steve's podcast next week because it's one of the four times oh, shit, of the yeah. year where we actually watch wrestling. Um, so we're Current gonna, wrestling, yeah. We're going to be reviewing Survivor Series and NXT TakeOver on 
Takeover War Games on that podcast. So keep an eye out for that next week. But yes, my dear boy, we are going to do an interview now. Um, we're going to have Sam West. He's waiting in the wings from Wrestling Resurgence to talk to us about the fantastic company that they're running up in Nottingham and Leicester. So shall we have a chat with him? Let's do it. Let's do it. Sam, how are you doing today? Uh, very well, thank you. Thanks for having Excellent. Well, we're happy you could join us because I'm very excited about wrestling resurgence as a whole so i want to kind of get into nitty and gritty now for our fans who don't know and maybe especially the ones that are in the states um resurgence is semi-new company you've done a couple of shows now this is the fourth show coming up right yeah yeah it's the fourth it's the fourth time we've run a wrestling show um the other the first two were kind of slightly different uh to the one we ran in september and the, the one that's coming up in a week's time yeah, excellent. Because it's described as kind of art house wrestling, uh, and you're mainly focusing on Leicester and Nottingham, right? You're not kind of expanding at the moment? Uh, potentially Loughborough, so not very far away, but yeah, uh, East Midlands. Um, no plans East to Midlands. further than that. Nice. You said they were Northern, now, Max, you liar. Well, I'm not very good at geography, am I? <laughs> to you. <laughs> but everything is North of Brighton. Let's, <laughs> let's just settle that first of all. <laughs> Uh, let's get into your background first, Sam. What got you into wrestling? Like, is this a new thing for you, or have you always been into it? Uh, always, um, yeah, really young age. So, uh, earliest memories would be the, the kind of brief run that WCW had on ITV. Oh yeah, um, yeah, we were there. Nineteen ninety two. Um, so I remember, yeah, guys like Sting, Vader. Um, can quite vividly remember Ron Simmons winning the world title um, from Vader. Of course. Um, and then, yeah, WWF, WWE, throughout all the 90s, um, kind of, I guess I fell out of it probably around the age of 13, 14. Um, so that would have been sort of early 2000s, I guess. And Yeah. Yeah, so always really, like always kept an interest in it um got sort of got back into it again kind of 2006 i guess 2005 with sort of the when the wrestling channel was on sky oh we missed the wrestling channel so much the wrestling channel was such a cool like that's how i'd never seen new japan and things like that before Mm. the wrestling channel it introduced me to uh tna ring of honor all this stuff and yeah it was such a great channel that seemed to just sort of come and go Mm. Yeah, I guess a little bit like the ITV WCW. It was like a couple of like a year, a couple of years where you could, yeah you caught it and then, um, but yeah, like like you said, uh, like Noah, I remember watching on there. Oh, uh, awesome! Yeah, yeah, that was good. Japanese commentary as well, which was very cool. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's a learning World experience. Sport. It's all good. Um, so yeah, old World Sport, World Sport on there. Um, yeah, I remember Water Sport being on there as well. I, I don't think I watched it as much because obviously I was like, I don't want to watch old stuff. I want to watch like Ring of Honor and things like that. So <laughs> it took a couple of years for me to get the World of Sport appreciation. Uh, they're kind of bringing it back though because now they've got, what's it called? It's not the Fight Net. It's what like the Fight and all that lot are on now. Oh, Fight. Free Fight Net. F-I-T-E, isn't it? Fight Network, I think. I know J- yeah. JR plugs it a lot on his podcast. Yeah, I've not. Yeah, I've seen it. I've not dabbled in it myself, to be honest. So what? Um, so go, going from your fandom, what sort of then inspired you to sort of try doing it yourself? 
Um, so I work at one of our venues, actually, in Leicester, Attenborough Art Centre. So my kind of professional background is in um, contemporary art. So nice. I, I'm a curator for, for an art gallery in Leicester. Oh, cool. And uh, my colleague and sort of business partner, uh, John Kirby, he works at the same institution as part of the University of Leicester. Uh, but he works on kind of theatre, theatre and programming, programming theatre, that sort of stuff. Um, and we met a writer, an academic at De Montford University, uh, called Claire Warden. And Claire is kind of a one of the leading kind of people writing about wrestling from an academic perspective. Her background is in theatre and performance studies. Um, and she's written a lot, especially the last, since we've got to know her the last year and a half. She's written quite extensively on global wrestling, but also specifically British, British wrestling as well. Um, and she, we just said, like, well, let, let's do something. We're all in Leicester. And we kind of had the sort of means, I guess, to do something that was connected to her research. Um, she applied for a small grant to be in a, a festival called Being Human Festival, um, which is a sort of public engagement with academic research. So the idea was to run a, a public event that would engage with her own academic research. Uh, and that was the wrestling show. Bloody uh, hell. You're coming at this from a totally different angle than any other wrestling promoter we've ever spoken to. <laughs> That's what I like, because when I was doing the research on them, it, it was, because you've got, I don't know, I, I lost count of how many doctors <laughs> are behind the scenes at Wrestling Resurgence, and I've never known that in a wrestling yeah, our, environment our before. Our ring announcer, Wes, is a doctor. So. Yeah, oh, crazy. That's brilliant. <laughs> I, I love that. This, this is really cool. Yeah, so that was um, always intended to be a one-off event. Uh, it was quite small. Um, we had three matches. So we had the, the henchmen, which are kind of co- team based in Coventry, um, that you'll see on a few of our shows. Uh, yeah. Ever Say Die. So the, the event was, the kind of theme of the event, I guess, was drawing connections between historic British wrestling, so British wrestling, world of sport era, and then its kind of contemporary resurgence. Um, which is where the name came from. Um, so the kind of card was a sort of trying to show the evolution of British wrestling in a in a sort of quite light way. So we had like the henchmen who are kind of an old school style tag team that have their kind of background is a lot in um, working holiday camps. Um, I mean, they could they can work any audience. They're great. And then Never Say Die being, you know, a really young up and coming indie team. Uh, and then we had Millie McKenzie and Jetta. So kind of a similar dynamic there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was just after Millie, I think Millie had just done the trios tournament with Fight Club. So it was kind of, oh, yeah, she was for Shikara, yeah. Yeah, this is kind of November 2017. Um, so it was just on the cusp of her really um, blowing up and becoming you know, the star that she is. Millie's and, rise has been insane, hasn't it? Yeah, and so quick. Um, mm. So quick. Um, but, but you can tell straight away that you know she had all the... Uh, ingredients to, to have that success and then um yeah the main event was um dave mastiff and um mark haskins awesome that's oh, a solid awesome. card yeah I mean, i'd go and watch that kind of, it was all it was such a big learning curve i mean we luckily we within the university of leicester another colleague was a referee so he kind of knew the henchmen and he knew where we could get a ring um kind of helped us out with a bit of the kind of uh, i guess the business side of stuff 
Um, we realised that our grant, although it was small, actually could get us quite far with with a show because um, we didn't know what you know wrestling cost to put on at that point. Um, anyway, it was it was really it was a lot of fun. It's quite a small crowd. Uh, our venue in Leicester is quite small. Um, but ev- everyone that was involved afterwards said, let's do this again. Like, um, we kind of didn't want it to be a one-off. It was really quite, uh, and this is what loads of people talk, uh, tell you. It's like, it's really addictive. Um, <laughs> straight you get the bug. Yeah. I want to do this again, like next week. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So did you, um, when putting on your first show, did you, what sort of, um, hitches did you encounter that you weren't expecting? Was there anything you hadn't sort of considered that came along and, yeah caused you trouble um i think our crowd were very quiet um because we because of the academic element to the first event there was a lot of first time wrestling like audience that I had right. probably 75 percent of the audience had never been to a wrestling show oh wow so it was quite quiet to start with um but all the wrestlers kind of adapted to that and the atmosphere did pick up um and it's, it's actually amazing to watch someone who's never seen wrestling how, how quickly they will pick it up because it's just that it's panto isn't it it's that you know cool as soon as you get in there like oh all right okay i get it i've got to boo this guy i've got to cheer this guy and the kind of simple performative elements are really quite i think intuitive for people to pick up um but in terms of like practical stuff just the process of contracting wrestlers is a, a completely different to say working with artists um which right. is a job um yeah, the, the comms, how to how best to try and get hold of a wrestler, uh, email, uh, Twitter, or the uh, just you know, yeah, just kind of I guess slightly unorthodox, not quite what you you get in the kind of sector that I'm used to working in. No, and because obviously we we try and contact them as well to do this kind of, and they're not always the most reliable at answering messages or mm. replying in a speedy way that you'd prefer. <laughs> I think <laughs> is the best way of putting it. Wrestlers yeah. don't have agents, do they? That's the thing. I think because WE's been the big game in town for such a long time and they're all contracted to that sort of independently, that's bled into the indies. And no one if you, no one thinks to get an agent. It's just not what you do in wrestling. And if one wrestler did it now, he'd look like a bit of a knob by doing it. But it actually, there is something to be said for just having someone on your side who's business-minded when you're yeah. the talented wrestler. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's a whole, there's a real kind of spectrum, and also there's a huge variation in age as well. Like you know, especially on the on the indies, like a lot of the younger wrestlers, you have to kind of remind yourself because when you meet them and you and you work with them, they, they're all so mature and so professional. And but then you do have to you you kind of forget how young a lot of these people. Um, and oh, I it's think, depressing. Yeah, but I think how kind of incompetent I was at that age, just generally being a, a teenager, you know? Yeah, I, I don't get it. Like, they're all in great shape and they're, like, you know, booking all this and taking mm-hmm. care of it. I remember when we interviewed Ridgeway, and Ridgeway's only, like, 24, Gabe is 20, 21. Gabe was 20 when we talked to him. And I was just, yeah, just felt depressed, really. <laughs> yeah, but then other hitches, um, yeah, not so much. Um, I, I guess our second show, which was in May, so there was a bit of a gap between the two shows. That, again, followed a similar, similar format and was funded by the De Montfort University at that time. And um, it was a bigger card, and we had, I think we had a wrestler drop out uh, two days before the show. Oh, uh, no. For, you know, genuine reasons. Um, well, we actually, we know we had a couple of wrestlers pull out. Um, 
again both were good reasons so we had to kind of find last minute replacements um but that worked out really well um so we had a few, yeah we've had a few kind of setbacks like that before um but nothing major yeah just kind of learn as you go and, and see see what happens really one thing I was noticing or I spotted when I was doing my research from the educational side of it again, uh, I came across a trailer for a council supported film. Um, is that something attached to you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, drawing on our kind of arts background, I guess we started planning at the September show spandex ballet, which is the kind of one that really is i guess the start of our kind of now run of but we're going bi-monthly from this point onwards and it's the first one that we've done that's available on vimeo on demand mm-hmm. um, so in terms of like storylines and where things go from here spandex ballet is sort of your starting point the, the the two other shows were sort of test tests i guess or us kind of finding our feet um but yeah the film is um so we knew we were going to plan uh, september spandex ballet and we wanted it to be fully commercial, uh, ticketed show, and for it to break even. Uh, Pete, John, who are my kind of two business partners, we we were putting our own money into that show. Um, but but on the back of it, um, a arts producer that I know approached me and said, "Why don't you put in an arts council application? Um, link it to your own curatorial work, and put on the show, put on uh, put put funds for the wrestling show in there." So tie in a load of other stuff. So um, things like individual wrestlers. Um, the we're making a film, which is obviously what you mentioned. Um, the film will kind of explore these academic ideas, but in a I guess a more visual way. Um, it's got follows Tom uh, Tom Dawkins, who played who's Karen Noir, mm-hmm. who was on our September show. So it's kind of um, a lot about the creativity that goes into becoming a wrestler, um, the creative elements of, of making a wrestling show and a wrestling performance. Um, and yeah, that whole kind of process of, of how you make a wrestling show, I guess. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Because w- one thing I was going to mention about um, Kara, because I've, I've watched a show and it, it was a fantastic kind of first show. Um, sold out. I think you unders- undersold to break even there. You did actually sell out the show which is a, a great accomplishment. Um, so when I was watching it, obviously the Artcore match was a good fun <laughs> semi-main event, you know, with Jimmy coming out and all the ridiculous stuff with the easels and yeah. um, Visage, who is, I think is just absolutely fantastic to watch. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, and Sexsmith and all that lot. And then you had a very RT main event with Mastiff and Cara Noir. And I've got to say, the booking of that match is absolutely fantastic. I loved watching it. Is it a case of the pacing? Obviously, those are very art-heavy matches, and is that the way the storytelling is going to go? Are you taking it in a completely different direction, or is it kind of let's see how each show kind of plays out? Um, yeah, we had a quite, um, especially with our smaller show we did in May. It was that was like our let's let's work out what what our brand is going to be, um, and we knew we wanted to focus on uh, big characters and um that kind of style of wrestling and also fun as well like um we're we're big fans of of fun wrestling and i think that's something that um especially at the moment in contemporary british wrestling is really really kind of creative and vibrant and um, enjoyable to watch so there's that kind of focus on characters focus on um 
fun matches, fun characters, um, characters that had kind of um, more to them, I guess. Not, 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 not that's that's not a knock on other styles of wrestling, but um, I guess yeah, people like Carnawar. Uh, Carnawar is kind of an embodiment of our brand that we're trying to create. You know what I mean? That the theatrical kind of side of things. And then you've got like Spike Trevay, who made his kind of uh, debut at the end of the September show, and he's like exactly that in this, but in a totally different way. Um, so he's still he's got all those kind of artistic characteristic. Um, character elements that we're really interested in but obviously he because of his uh spike trivet character the the tory uh he's he's like a perfect kind of foil for um us basically to kind of slate what we do and be a heel i guess yeah well you could kind of see that from the get-go the minute he came out got on the mic the heat on him was just instant you could you could barely hear him from the crowd so you know it's always nice when that kind of happens to be able to end a show with someone running down the entire project was uh, <laughs> quite enjoyable. <laughs> um, yeah, but just in terms of where it's going for um, going forward, um, we want to kind of yeah build build storylines really. Um, the 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 story with with Spike will definitely be a continuing one, um, and it felt like a good way to start. If you know what I mean, like we don't want to go all out and have loads and loads of stories like um the art core match was a kind of self-contained uh you know match of complete craziness um yeah so i guess i'm, I'm rambling a bit now so no no that makes sense that makes sense um now obviously you said you go in bi-monthly now so i don't want to keep you too long this evening um so if we talk about how there's now the season tickets which i think is a really cool idea that not a lot of promotions kind of capitalize on so just give us um an overview of what the kind of season ticket will get people so yeah it's obviously it's the first time we've done these um it'll give you four shows in leicester which is at our um atomborough center's the venue it's a very intimate venue um 120 capacity um so you're really like really really close to the action it's um the acoustics are fantastic there um and then so you get those four shows uh 10 off any f- other shows that we're doing because we're going to m- be making an, an announcement about nottingham very soon uh at least three nottingham shows um next year any other shows that we do uh, on top of the leicester ones you get 10 off um, we've, we've teamed up with um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with um, Mecha Shotai yes uh, they do fantastic yeah. stuff I keep wanting yeah. to buy all their pins yeah so they're, they, they've been great uh, they contacted us when they saw Spandex Ballet and were like um, we'd just love to love the show we've bought tickets can we just come along and sell merch and like, absolutely um, and they've ended up kind of taking over our merch side of things really so um, they they did the designs for our we had like spandex ballet t-shirts um mm-hmm. so those guys organized that um and so as part of the season ticket you'll get 10 percent off all future mecca shot uh, merchandise as well um and i think there's a free t-shirt in there as well perfect well mm-hmm. one thing i've just realized jesse we have not subjected sam to a top five Oh yes, okay. Um, what should we go for? I don't know. So this is what we do to every guest because we're lovely, mm. lovely people. Uh, we put you on the spot and then give you a top five. Normally we do the whole, you know, favorite wrestler or we pick an interest. Um, what's a good one we could do, Jesse? Most artistic wrestler? Would that be one that could be? <laughs> um, Get it in the yeah. wheelhouse. Okay. How about top five favorite K 
characters. So nah, it nice. doesn't have to be so like it doesn't have to be someone that you particularly enjoy their athletic ability, but like particular characters that you think have really got over that have inspired you on your artistic journey. Um, I guess the first one that springs to mind is probably Mick Foley and all his various guises. Mm. So yeah, like definitely remember very vividly Mankind, um, especially the like '96 onwards Mankind. So, well, obviously his you know the, his initial run with Undertaker. Uh, it is it is performance art, isn't it? Like a yeah. particular a lot of wrestling is obviously, but specifically what Mankind was doing back then, like especially through '97, as you say, it was just stunning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and if you go going back, like I didn't encounter them at the time, but going back and watching the Cactus Jack ECW promos and things like that. Um, mm. I mean, God, that, it was just so so groundbreaking. And it, yeah, I think in, in terms of wrestling's performance art, um, he's he's got to be like right up there. Um, Gold Dust, probably for similar reasons. Yeah. Yeah, excellent show. Even, even more impressed with Gold Dust when you see him interviewed out of character and just what mm. a sort of normal dude he is. You just don't expect it at all. Mm. Yeah, I think I don't know where I heard it, but I heard him just um, him talking recently about the kind of how how the gold dust gimmick came about and him how he he was testing out on house shows, mm. little um, testing out different things. And I think there was the bit where he gets him in the corner and then runs his hands down the uh, opponent's chest. And he was talking about the reaction that, that got, and that that was a kind of moment where it clicked in his head, like how he could kind of bring the character to life. So I thought that was really interesting. Mm, brilliant. One of the things I find fascinating about wrestling as a performance form is that um, interaction with the crowd, the relationship between the performers and the crowd. And mm. I think Goldust was often like maybe in a prob- you know, problematic way in terms of things like homophobia and uh, the, the, he was obviously kind of playing on that. Oh, definitely, uh, yeah. But still, just fascinating. Like even even despite that, that the well, actually that is, is fascinating in itself. Um, then I guess so. That's two, isn't it? Um, I mean, probably more from a more contemporary perspective. Um, Car- well, Tom Carnoir. Um, yeah. Just he's someone that since I've got to know and sort of spoken to a bit more, like every, every time I see him, like uh, there's little things that I notice about the way he carries himself. Um, his, it's, it's not just the theatrics. Like I think uh, the, the theatrical entrance is one thing, but the actual um, attention to detail and the way he kind of holds his body, moves his body around the ring, the way he interacts with opponents, I, I think is just really fascinating. Um, I could watch him all day and i'd love to see where he goes as well because i think he's underused at the moment so that's three um undertaker has got to be like again another childhood fascination um just the entrance the spectacle like um he'd definitely be up there the longevity is ridiculous isn't it like yeah. you look at all the other characters that came out around that time, like when everyone had a job era, wasn't it basically? Yeah. And, uh, and the fact that Undertaker stuck around, like I know, like everyone's got their criticisms nowadays of him, but it's it still works. You know, it does still work in front of massive, massive crowds. Mm, yeah, and I think how and this is kind of credit to him. Like it, it could have just fallen flat on its, like you know. It, it's such a if you actually look at it as a character it's, it's potentially a disaster isn't it it's like it's, yeah. 
it's an undertaker, it's an undead guy with a, a Paul Bearer and some of the like really hokey stuff they did to start with. Um, if they anyone the else Harry, if they given it to anyone, if they given it to anyone else, it would have fallen flat on its face, as you say. I reckon it's um, like imagine if they'd given it to Kevin Nash or something like that. They just found like another tool guy. Yeah. It just would have been terrible. And yeah, like you say, just the dynasty of it, the, just the the time that it spans, and just how um, still to this day, like the entrance is just spectacular. Like you see it at recent WrestleManias and stuff, it yeah, really um, transcends wrestling, probably. Of a, of a character kind of wrestlers. Oh, uh, Bruiser Brody would be. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's a bit more left field. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I didn't encounter him that much when I was younger, but then I bought a DVD off uh, eBay after, after reading about him in one of the Mick Foley books, um, and just yeah, the way he, um, again, uh, the investment in the character, um, taking the character to Japan, all across the world. Um, living that character and that kind of uh, as an independent wrestler, um, there's a lot. A lot's been said about Bruiser Brody as this kind of um, one of the first, or, or one of the first modern indie wrestlers. If that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. You know, that was a fantastic top five you've pulled out of your top of your head there. I think everyone's getting better at this than us, Jesse. We need to stop. <laughs> Stop asking this question. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, Sam, if you could give everyone a rundown of where they can find... Obviously, the show coming up next week is sold out again. Congratulations. Yeah. But um, if they can find out where to get the season tickets and also the Vimeo. One thing I'll say to listeners, uh, listeners, if I can speak correctly, is Spandex Ballet, I got for like 99p. Cost like nothing. And it was a good two hours worth of watching. Yeah, it's a, it's a reasonable price. <laughs> Very reasonable. Um, yeah, so uh, we are Instagram and Twitter. It's W underscore Resurgence. Um, Facebook, I think it's just Facebook forward slash Wrestling Resurgence. Um, our Big Cartel site is WrestlingResurgence.BigCartel. Uh, and I think you can, as well, that's where you can get the season tickets. Thank you for your time today, Sam. I uh, really appreciate you kind of talking to us. It, I find it fascinating, the company and its kind of background. So I'm glad we kind of got to speak about it. Everyone who's listening, if you're UK, US, or that those random listeners in Sweden we have, which I still don't understand, <laughs> check, <laughs> check out uh, Wrestling Resurgence. They're a great company and contributing a lot to the, the British indie scene. So check them out. And thank you again, Sam. And there was our interview with Sam. What a lovely chap. Lovely RT wrestling, chap. eh? I know. It, it was fascinating. It was one of the reasons I wanted to get him on, because I know about all the doctors and crazy stuff they had going on. Mental. Mental. And as I said, you can get um, their last show on Vimeo for like 99p. 99p wrestling. And it's very good. Bargain! That's less than a sandwich, you idiots. You idiots. Uh, but they've also got to buy... What else they got to buy? they got to buy that. The magazine. It's gonna... That's like three quid, Jesse. Oh, yeah, it's going to add up. You've got to all buy monkey banana speakers or microphones to justify the sponsorship now That's as well. 200 so euros. Gonna, you're all, yeah, you're, you're all bankrupt, mate. <laughs> Just stop <laughs> listening. <laughs> ah, wonderful. So, <clears throat> yeah, as we said, we're going to be doing top five injuries and possibly morbid. We had a, a message on Twitter, I think. <laughs> Possibly morbid. Possibly morbid. It's going to go morbid. Um, we had a message on Twitter from Shaz, um, a, another podcast being like, are you guys doing it in like 
a fun, friendly way. And it's like, not we're not really capitalizing on injuries. We just want to highlight the dangers that wrestling presents. It's a very dangerous it's sport. Sad. It's as nervous that we're going to be like all sad talking about people that have done horrible things to themselves. I, I think he's worried that we're going to be too happy about it. Was the... Oh, I see. Just frivolous. Yeah. Well, I certainly am. <laughs> Jesse's very... We actually thought this would be a lot easier than we thought, but there's been some horrific injuries in wrestling. Um, that that has. We've got a few honourable mentions on our list, but but we've got a good five, I think. I've actually avoided like some really horrendous ones I've kind of avoided because oh, um, they make me sad, right? So they... They're not one of my fa- they're not in my top five because they're not my favourite injuries because they're horrible. Do you know what I mean? See, this is the so problem. We'll sort I feel of like them in that way. We can't say favourite. We have because normally we say our favourite wrestler or favourite match or whatever. We can't use the word favourite in this episode. I certainly can. When you see my top five, you might realise what I mean by favourite okay. because they all bring me pleasure in some way. All right, that's that kind of sums it up. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, these are, I've been watching some of these to kind of remind myself what happened and what they look like. I've just been cringing all day. <laughs> just, oh, no. It's depressing, isn't it? It's horrible. Horrible stuff. Um, shall we play the top five intro music and get this party started? Uh, let's do it. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Are you ready? Yeah, you fans can stick it, brother. Who's your daddy, Montreal? Tell me he didn't just say that. By God, Gene, it's time for oh. some wrestling injuries. Now, this if- is fun because um, normally we um, just say. Um, should we play the drop and then we have to be silent a bit and then put it in in post but you've worked out a clever little way to now play them so i we all heard that drop just then so it's got me in the mood i'm excited do you feel included what (laughs) (laughs) i can hear everything what what'd you say (laughs) so as per normal if me and jesse have a crossover uh we do have some like alternatives that we could use but we do have a fun sound so if you hear this I ruptured a disc which fragmented into my spinal column. That means that we've had a crossover. <laughs> it's such an obscure... Like, what a random thing for us to put together. Yeah, so in Benoit, I believe, talking, yeah. isn't it? I think it's Benoit talking. It I've Benoit. always assumed it is because Benoit's on the screen when that's oh, happening. That's true. Yeah, we... Don't try this at home. It might not be. I but think it was. He, um, hey? Because he did do something to his neck, didn't he? Oh, yeah, he did something to his neck. Um, yeah, yeah, I imagine it is him, isn't it? But, uh, yeah, that's the classic um, don't try this at home thing from when we were kids, which uh, we could just do verbatim on command, couldn't we? Oh, yeah. When I played it to you, it just all came back to me. I remembered every <laughs> single bit of it. Ridiculous. <laughs> now, obviously, as I did with the Benoit one, we're not glorifying, we're condoning any... You're right there. Just coughing. Yeah, I'm all right now. Yeah, I'm good. Su- I'm surviving. That was pretty. So not glorifying, condoning, or saying that these accidents were cool and all that kind of shit. Don't try this stuff at home because you can get hurt, blah, blah, blah. Jesse, who's starting? Absolutely, bloody lootly. Um, I will start because you've been gone and I've been lonely and I blame you for it. It's nice that <laughs> so... I haven't spoke. This is the longest we've gone without speaking vocally to each other. 
Yeah, right. So what's it been? Like three weeks, four, four weeks, four weeks. So we so we missed our regular show um, for a week. Then the following week, where there wouldn't have been a show, I made up for it by doing it with Steve. And now we're back on track, right? Yes. Okay. Cool. Just making sure everyone's getting their money's worth. Oh, I'm no, sure they do. No one pays. Um, <laughs> we ask, just no one does. <laughs> right. Um, I will start number five. Um, are you ready? Yes, Daddy. My first one is from um, Over the Limit 2010. It's Randy Orton dislocating his shoulder by pounding the mat versus Edge. <laughs> Brilliant. Do you know this one? I do know this one. There's a fair few Randy Orton ones, so I was trying to track which one you were going for. Randy Orton is a fragile, fragile man. But he doesn't like it when you tell him he's a fragile man, as one Mexican reporter found out the hard way, um, if you want to find that on YouTube. Um, so, Orton, this is just... So, by the way, um, I found out, whilst researching this injury, that not long um, before this, Randy Orton dislocated his shoulder, taking the rubbish out at home. Brilliant. So that's how that's how Randy Orton's shoulders are. So we all know the deal. Randy Orton gets ready for the RKO and he drops to the mat and starts thumping the mat. Now, you'll remember that, um, that back then he used to thump it with his forearms down on the mat. Now he does it more of a punch, straight punch into the mat. There's a reason for that. It's because of this night. It's because Randy Orton, whilst twatting the mat with his forearms, just completely dislocated his shoulder. And it's brilliant to just watch him sort of, you know, getting all ready for the RKO. And then he realises what's happened and just sort of drags his arm around a bit and (laughs) attempts an RKO that just doesn't go to plan. And he's got no one to blame but himself. It's just the most ridiculous injury. I know he's um, hypermobile, isn't he? That's an element of why his shoulders are so um, are so delicate. But I also think that um, there might have been an era of him taking some naughty things that don't that give you muscle, but don't make those muscles particularly strong. That's all I'm saying. Um, poor Randy. He's had so many things happen to him because even on his day, do you remember his debut year? when he injured himself, and there used to be the Randy Orton injury report would come up. Yeah, but they did that. But that actually worked, didn't it? They turned that to his advantage, the um, injury talk. When he'd be talking about, like, he had no charisma about that. He couldn't really talk. But he was saying about, like, thanks for all the best wishes and all this. And he had a web, he had an email, didn't he? He said, yes. if you want to send your um, send your thoughts to getwellrandy at wwe.com. And it did exist. So I bet there was some poor intern that just had to go through, like, pages and pages of hate. <laughs> people had sent it yeah you could populate your own top five with uh randy orton injuries that's for sure have you got any more randy on your list uh i don't actually again i could have easily done but i wanted to keep it varied so he is my only randy because there was one that i saw earlier where randy breaks his collarbone and oh god when he's thrown over the top rope yeah so if anyone sees this so um randy goes from rko on triple h triple h does like the push-off that everyone does where they support the back and push him off, but he dumped him over the top rope. Randy had nothing to grab onto because he's holding onto Triple H's head, and he just goes smack on the floor, immediately grabs his shoulder, and I went, yep, I know how that feels. Yeah, right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> See, you feel Randy's pain now. I think that's the one I cringed at most. That was uh, the one from today, so not good. My number five is the one that I was talking to you about earlier, where I was like, what's the kind of ruling on this? Because technically it's not an injury, 
but it is. I'm talking about Judgment Day 2004, Eddie Guerrero. Oh, Jesus. That's a good one, actually. Yeah, well done. Now, I've... Um, not technically... He didn't take any time off for it, um, but because it's self-inflicted, this happened 14 years ago now, and it still sticks with me as one of the most bloodiest moments I've ever seen in wrestling. It is I just fucking horrible. Yeah, it is horrendous. I just, yeah, most blood I've ever seen from in, in wrestling in one go. Like, just, yeah, just insane. He hit a, um artery with the blade by mistake, didn't yes, he? Yeah. And um, it just pissed, man. And you, even, you see it on JBL's face, don't you? Like, what the fuck are we going to do now? Like, you could just see it. And um, but they they finished it through, and uh, Guerrero just beat the shit out of him with a chair, didn't he? I think. And, yeah, that um, was pretty much until like went out, JBL went out back off. and collapsed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was kind of a case of the chair shot itself would make you believe um, that's what you were getting from that kind of blood splat because the way JBL hit him was back in the days when it's like fuck it, I'll just hit you in the head as hard as I can with a steel chair. It's fine. And then yeah, Eddie Blades himself hit, nicks that archery, and it's just. You know, like in movies when you got the prop blood and it starts spurting. That's exactly what's coming yeah. out of the top of his head. And then, because there's the in wrestling, there's the muta scale, or yeah, muta scale yes. for for blood. And I feel like this is now called the Guerrero scale because it, it just took I on think, something yeah, else. Yeah, Guerrero bestie muta. Um, yeah. Funny you should mention muta. I've just bought a muta figure that's on a shelf right next to me. That nice. I'm making that right now. What a random figure to get. Yeah, he looks good. I'll send you a picture, Angle. Thank you. Uh, so Eddie gets all kind of wobbly-legged like an idiot and he tries to continue wrestling and he continues wrestling or fighting whatever they were doing for 14 minutes while blood is pissing out of his forehead. And That's insane. The mat and the outside ring area, it's like a Tarantino movie. It's disgusting. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he goes and wins it and it's a case of I always go back and rewatch matches, you know me and Jesse are stuck in that endless loop of watching the same matches again and again and again but I've never ever gone back and watched this match like, oh really never, I have never it's just like I know what happens I can picture it <laughs> yeah. it's good I've done it yeah I've watched it um, several times specifically for the blood just to enjoy the blood just, it, am I weird <laughs> <laughs> you're summoned let's just go with your son. Oh, god <laughs> that picture you sent me with like the shadow of his face Jesse sent me a picture of great, his great Muta figure and his face and upper body's in the shadow and he's got a weird claw <laughs> coming out of the darkness. It's horrible. He looks good though, doesn't he? He's a cool figure. How have you got a girlfriend? How does she live with that? She doesn't. She She's does. left. No, she hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, my number four, is it? Yes, daddy. Cool. So this is another um, subject of which we could make a separate top five on this is a triple h quad tear Ooh. but this one specifically is from um degeneration x versus rated rko at new year's revolution 2007 oh, i forgot about that one yeah so um what i've written in my notes here trips always prides himself on finishing matches injured but most of the time it just makes for what looks like clowning <laughs> <laughs> and um, so that's what happened here so Triple H tears his quad, he starts, I mean, we've all seen it so many times, he can't stand up and he's like hopping around. It's just embarrassing. I mean, Randy Orton attempts an RKO, but because Triple H can't, you know, bump properly, it just looks awful. And basically, um, Shawn Michaels takes matters into his own hands. So I can only imagine he sort of, at some point, got Triple H's attention and went, don't worry, mate, I've got this. I will sort this match out. 
and then proceeds to just batter the fuck out of Edge and Randy Orton with chairs and throws them on tables, puts them through tables. Basically, you know how when people talk too long at the Oscars and then they start playing music to play them out? Yeah. That's what they did to Shawn Michaels here. So he just carried on destroying Edge and Randy Orton until they started playing the Degeneration X music. There was no ending to this match. like So he just carried on fucking them up. And then the DX music started playing, and then he just begrudgingly left. <laughs> that was how he sort of covered the <laughs> Triple H's quad injury. So that's why I enjoy this one so much, because the end, the ending, the lack of ending of the match is just so ridiculous. I really don't remember that. I'm going to have to go back oh, and watch that one. you have to watch it. Yeah, you have to watch it. It's brilliant. It's so funny. It, yeah. Uh, didn't he kind of do the same at Crown Jewel? I haven't watched it, but when the pectoral happened, didn't HBK just be like, fuck it, I'll take over the match? Kind of. I mean, to, to Triple H's credit, he did it. There were a few miscues towards the end, but um, Triple H did a good job of continuing on very well despite the arm injury. It didn't um, dehabilitate him the same way as you know your legs do because you can't fucking walk when your legs are fucked up. But um, he, yeah, Triple H did a good job when you consider what the injury was and you consider who he was in the ring with being old men. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's. I don't know. How do you kind of feel about the whole wrestling? The show must go on. I'll finish the match, even though my quadricep is torn from the bone. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because um, any other sport, you go, I'm, I'm done. I'm just going to go to the sidelines for a bit. Well, I was having a similar argument um, with Bobby about this, except what we were talking about is after the Owen Hart tragedy, whether they should have continued the show or not. God, no the whole show yeah right well i'm of the opinion that you shut the whole thing down but bobby being from a more of a theater background was off the show must go you know look, things happen and obviously it's horrendous that that happened but you've got you just got to finish it's your job you know and it's it's a weird one it's a difficult one to argue i but, think the worst um, thing about that was sending his pretty much best friend out the minute it's like i suddenly die right here and you have to continue on doing the podcast it's just like <laughs> why why would you do that i think it's different when you're in front of a live audience it's we're in front of a live know, audience damn it you know what i mean well kind of but it's yeah it's weird if you did die on the podcast by the way um i would definitely keep it all in the what, gurgling and that was that oh i see okay just the sound of sound of you dying what if i died last sad. week jesse would you have carried on in my memory? Uh, yeah, Steve would have had to edit it for me. <laughs> but it would have been tough. Brilliant. It would have been like the, the Eddie Guerrero uh, tribute show. Just Christian yeah, Moir. Exactly. And then you would have done something horrendous a couple of months later. <laughs> uh, yeah, a couple of years. Come on, give him credit. Give him credit. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. 18 months, maybe. So I need to check out that match because I don't remember that horrendous ending you've just described. So yeah, all... it's brilliant. It's not horrendous. It's just funny. It's just funny seeing Shawn Michaels continue to batter um, Randy Orton at Edge until the music plays, forcing him to leave. I, I I like that you've made this list funny. Makes me sound really morbid <laughs> on this side where I'm like, yes, and Eddie almost bled to death, and you're like, do you remember the funny bit when Shawn comes out? Again, like, hysterical. <laughs> So my number four is not funny. Oh dear. It's Sid Vicious breaks his leg in January oh, 2001. I think I did think about that. It was 2000, wasn't it? Not 2001. 2001. 14th of January. Was it? Yeah. Bloody hell. So that was like, 
that was two months before WCW folded. It's like what a what a time to do it. Like you don't even get to you're not even you know like sacrificing your body for the business and stuff. The business was gone in two months. <laughs> Just wasn't well. This is like the interesting bit about it because uh, I think every wrestling fan or even not a wrestling fan has seen this vid, this at least gif form around the internet. So Sid Vicious ended his career by jumping off the middle rope landing on one leg so he's doing like a boot or something and his leg just snaps clean in half and he's lying it just on the mat jelly, doesn't it? and it's just jelly flopping about and his eyes are like all wide up now the reason why fuck wcw for this is because backstage and it was probably i think i read some of laurenitis was saying you know what you should do is uh, you should work on your array of moves, so you should try some aerial manoeuvres. And they said this to him before the match, so try some aerial manoeuvres in this match. And he was reluctant, obviously, but he agreed to do it. And um, he did it, and then snapped his leg and ended his career. So he was 100% right not to try it. You can't blame Laurinaitis for that. Like it's ev- Almost everything a wrestler does is because of a suggestion of an agent backstage. And if it goes wrong, you can't blame the agent for that. What about the hundreds of times that stuff has gone right and been a really cool moment? Well, it depends how much you forced him. If he was like, come on, you got to do it, you got to do it, you got to do it. Then it's their fault. Do you, do you hate Michael Hayes for... Um... I hate Michael Hayes for a lot, but go on. Yeah, I know. But he's the one that told Brock Lesnar or strongly suggested to Brock Lesnar to do the shooting star press at WrestleMania 19. Uh, I thought that was Laurinaitis again. No, it was um, no, it was um, Michael Hayes. Uh, oh, Michael Hayes and your fanny packs. But it's but you would, wouldn't you? If if you were the agent, you and you knew Brock Lesnar could do this, but it yeah. had never been on telly. You'd say, "Fucking hell, this is the main event of WrestleMania. You're going to win the title. What a way to win it!" Of course, you'd say that to him. You've seen him do it a hundred times before in dark matches and stuff. It's true, but it, on a. WCW pay-per-view called Sin before the company closes. Is it worth the risk? <laughs> Not really. And, and the thing no, that probably. also happens is it doesn't even happen on camera. So eventually they replay it because they had another camera on it. But I think someone was interfering when it actually happened. So the camera cuts away just before he jumps to whoever's coming out. And then it snaps and the camera cuts back to just uh, Sid's face wide-eyed in horror as it is foot's all floppy. Imagine watching that live being like, what the... You know who? um, You know when they did replay it though. The Nitro the following night, about half the fucking show was taken up with replays of Sid Vicious breaking his leg. They milked that for all it was worth. Of course they did. Got to get those ratings back somehow. Yeah, man, I would have done. I know you would have. What's your next funny, hilarious injury? Number three. So we've talked about this one at length before on our incredibly well-received um, new people. Go and listen to this one. Our Vince McMahon show. Hey. So this counts as an in-ring injury because <laughs> it does, it Vince does. McMahon um, gets in the ring at Royal Rumble 2005 and in the process of doing so, tears both of his quads. So now, funny. It is brilliant. So um, this is it's funny for so many reasons like vince shouldn't have been out there in the first place um the reason he was out there is because um teddy long and eric bischoff as the general managers of raw and smackdown at the time had um gone home early from the show thinking that you know they're not needed anymore they went back to their hotel so that's why when batista accidentally throws john cedar out along with himself um 
that's why they're so long before Vince McMahon comes out because they're running around backstage trying to find Teddy Long or Eric Bischoff, but they fucked off. So imagine how bollocks they were the next night. Yeah. But um, so that's why um, McMahon comes out looking fucking livid, throws his um, jacket onto the ground, then slides into the ring and tears his quads, so, and ends up sitting on the floor like a ch- sits on the floor, but with his arms on his hips, <laughs> like a complete child, and um, just looks up at the refs. And then eventually they restart. And they say, you know, they're panicking. And they say on the mic, we are restarting the Royal Rumble. And when I, when I watched it the first time, I was like, oh my God, what, from number one? I know, like, I had the same thing. Yeah, but it was just the last two, just Cena and Batista. And then it all went right. And Batista wins. I love but what a- the respect that Vince McMahon has. That no one in the ring laughed. The fans didn't laugh. Everyone was <laughs> just like, yep, yeah, we're just going to accept him sitting on the floor looking pissed off. <laughs> so funny and um, also side note of this Royal Rumble I know I've said it before every time we talk about this Royal Rumble I will bring it up Scotty Too Hotty should have won it I know he technically was never eliminated he was never eliminated he never got in the ring Scotty Too Hotty is still in that Rumble so he should have been the one to who what Rumble was that 2005 yeah so Batista won it Batista won yeah and went on to Triple H because that was the weird West Side Story one that they did I remember the video package of like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, I love that. <laughs> With their wigs and that. Oh, brilliant. I miss I miss theatrical wrestling in WE. So good. And Yeah, uh, but it was stupid. But that, all that stuff they did. And like all the, um, do you remember WrestleMania goes to Hollywood? Yes. Was that 21? All and the when trailers. they did um, All the trailers. Yeah, and they're all great and they're funny. But um, it's so, like, but there is an element of it where they were still trying to, um, walk that line of kayfabe and try and be as real as possible. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yet they, yet they would do adverts like that. It was really stupid. Do you remember Eugene doing the uh, the Forrest Gump advert? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> no, no, I remember. <laughs> I remember Ric Flair. We're doing Braveheart as well with, uh, or it was Triple H doing Braveheart, yeah. but with Ric Flair with him on a little pony. <laughs> oh, wrestling! Gotta love it. I, speaking of that Royal Rumble. I know it, it was a botch finish, but it looks so clean the way they both tumble out. I refuse out. to believe it's a botch finish. It's ridiculous how close... Yeah, they both smacked the uh, floor at the exact same time. It's ridiculous. They, you couldn't have planned it better. No, and it looks like they're in control the whole time. But it must be yeah. a botch because nothing came out of it. There was no purpose for them both falling out except for whatever that ending was. And Well, it puts Cena... I mean went on to win the WWE title at the same mania so he was very much it was very much the top guy of Raw and the top guy of Smackdown at the time you know yeah yeah I suppose that is true but just just Vince sitting there because when he throws off his jacket and then he just sit oh that's that's <laughs> like my legacy of Vince McMahon and it makes me so happy yeah it's um there's a lot when he finally goes I hope it's in his Hall of Fame package <laughs> I'm going to be making my own Hall of, Pack- Hall of Fame package, mate, just for him. Don't you worry. We're <laughs> going to play the top five Vince McMahon episode on repeat for 72 yes, hours. <laughs> my, my number three is from Armageddon 2006, where Joey Mercury's face gets wrecked. Oh, Jesus. I'd forgotten all about this. Oh, you can't forget about this. This is probably one of the most the gruesome injuries um i saw when i was watching it live and stuff joey mercury gets struck in the face by a ladder during a fatal four-way match which was i think impromptu like they did a 
I can't remember why it came about, but I remember Teddy Long obviously coming out being like, it's a tag team match player, and it's a ladder match. Um, and it had Paul London, Brian Kendrick. Excellent, excellent Teddy Long. I didn't put any effort into it. Didn't put any effort into it. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to be at the end of year awards. So we're not going to. Do work. you remember in, um, do you remember in SmackDown versus Raw, um, one of the old PS2 games, there was a bit when Teddy Long, um, is in the car park perving after Tory Wilson. Like no. he sort of watches her walk away and he goes, um, he goes, Whoa, I love watching her walk away, player. And then, uh, then he gets run over. <laughs> oh, I remember him getting run over, yeah. 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 So, yeah. So he gets run over and it's a who done it. And that's part of your career mode on SmackDown versus Raw. But yeah, just before he gets run over, he's basically staring at Tory Wilson's ass. Love it. Well, if there's one way to go, I guess. <laughs> go out behind yeah, Absolutely. So it was that. And then William Regal and Dave Taylor were a tag team at the time, but Dave Taylor was afraid of ladders, which I remember being funny. And the Hardy Boys <laughs> and Eminem were the four in this match. And I feel like it was the best match of the card, without a doubt, but due to the last-minute nature of it, probably why his face got smashed open. Uh, he broke his nose in three places and got 30 stitches overall. And he looked like absolute shit the following couple of days. Do you remember they released that picture? Jesus. Of his like melon swollen face, the way his yeah, the way his nose in particular just sort of fattened out. It was almost bigger than his, so it extended past his cheeks almost. Yeah, it was horrible, and the pool of blood was insane. They quickly like so. This was around the time when they didn't mind showing blood and stuff. So this kind of shows you that positioning and wrestling is everything. Because what was meant to happen was it was meant to go into his chest and his arms were meant to there to kind of stop it. And, oh no, I've been hit in the face. But he was standing too far back and he just went straight into his nose and uh, immediately outside of the ring. And then the camera kind of like goes to show him and then they see the mass amount of blood that's on the floor and it's again pissing out of his face like a faucet. And they go, nope, not showing that anymore. And they pan away. But even <laughs> then his face was super swollen and ugh, gnarly. Yes, yeah, horrendous. So, oh yeah, I should explain to people who haven't seen it. It was like a teeter totter is the best way to describe it. So there's one ladder open on the floor, and then the other one's like a seesaw. And then Jeff jumps off the top rope to the bottom of it, and then it smacks them both in the face. Yes, it was fun. Go check it out, Armageddon, two thousand six. Yeah, it is good. I need to. Um, I need to watch that um again it's been a few years like many years maybe even 10 years how depressing is that oh, since Lord. i've seen that match yeah <laughs> what's your one my next one uh we're out of the realms of sort of funny now oh. and this one is terrible but kind of really cool as well this is um Shibata's last stand. Shibata versus Okada at Sakura Genesis. I ruptured a disc which fragmented into my spinal column. Nice. Is this your number two as well? It is or... my number two. Ah, that's good, isn't it? So, we can talk about this together. This is obviously horrendous. This is the headbutt where um, that ended Shibata's career. Um, he headbutts Okada really fucking hard. Um, the camera zooms in and one trickle of blood just comes down his head and it just looked i remember watching it just thinking that is one of the coolest things i've ever seen in wrestling just amazing and then we find out that after the match he collapsed backstage and he will never wrestle again which is tragic but 
what a way to go out. So fucking cool. Yeah, I love that it's got the moniker Shibata's Last Stand. It just sounds like such a cool Western. I've been playing a lot of Red Dead, so maybe it's not very Western-y, but it's just got that kind of <laughs> air about it. And you're right, when he just headbutts in a trickle of blood, because he stays looking down, and when you rewatch it, you can kind of read on his face, oh no, something's gone wrong here. Because he's like very visibly like, oh no. And then he tries to shake it off a little bit and realizes yeah. it's not going. The reason it's not going is because he's got a subdural hematoma, which is bleeding of the brain. That's it's just a horrendous. But yeah, it's just, the, yeah, Shabbat's Last Stand is a cool moniker. It's the whole storyline leading up to it. The fact that he legitimately ended his career in that match kind of rounds off his kayfabe career really nicely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he went out almost dying in the ring. Yeah, which is really insensitive to say, and if he had actually died, we'd probably be talking about it completely differently. But he didn't. He's not going to wrestle again, which is tragic, but he's training, I believe, isn't he? And um, it would be a trainer in the New Japan US dojo Dojo. in USA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So he's got a good job out of it. Which, by the way, seems healthy enough. Watch the videos of him training, because he just doesn't speak. He's got a really long stick, and he just whips people to get them to do what he wants. <laughs> and he just, yeah. He just walk around so happy with himself holding this massive stick. And I'm like, sensei, teach me. <laughs> That's amazing. But, you know, he... And again, the, the thing of wrestlers continuing on when maybe they shouldn't because he wrestled for a... I, I felt like it was quite a while afterwards after that incident happened. The match went on for quite a little bit longer. Yeah, the good... 10, 15 minutes, Yeah, and then he kind of stumbles his way backstage so he can collapse like a dying, dead dog. And he was rushed... <laughs> he finds a corner. <laughs> Anyone seen Shibata? He's under those old coats down there. <laughs> but he's got... Um, he underwent brain surgery. He then underwent a second brain surgery and then had, like, numbness in his limbs. He had vision problems. He really fucked himself up with that headbutt. But the sound yeah. it made was worth it. This um, isn't relevant to anything, but, um, well, it's kind of relevant. Um, A few weeks ago, um, Aaron, our friend Aaron, sent me a picture of Shabbata at Shabbata's wedding, um, drinking champagne and dancing in his full wrestling gear. Amazing. Why have you not forwarded this (laughs) image to me? I don't know. I'll find it in a minute and send it to you. But I don't. It's like a really badly taken picture, which kind of makes it funnier because he's like, you know, mid movement, mid dance. He's just holding a glass of champagne and he's in his full wrestling gear. It's just, it's really funny. What is it with New Japan wrestlers where they want to have their kind of gear on just in normal situations? Well, a lot of them don't look right in normal clothes. I've always said Ishii um, has a body for his wrestling gear. Like, when you see him in suits and stuff, he just looks ridiculous. But he just wears He's cycling the shorts. Body of... He can't be in cycling shorts his entire life. Or can yes, he? Yes, he can. <laughs> yeah, not with that attitude, Max. Of course he can. The only person who looks good is Naito, but that's because he wears a suit. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but that's, see, that's part of his wrestling gear, so he's found a way around it. Smart. Smart boy, Naito. Yeah, he is. Nice. Yeah, I, I can't say much more about it. It's It's... It's the headbutt heard around the world. The, the popularity it had afterwards of everyone talking about it. Very much to... Obviously very different with like what's going on with Becky. But to have women's wrestling and that kind of thing as being a forefront of discussion. It's kind of amazing at the moment how over and popular she is. 
and just how talked about she is. It's ridiculous. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, Daniel Bryan won the world title. No one gives a shit. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah. It, yeah. It, but it, the way that was executed was quite poor, I think. Yeah. Like, so it had the shock factor for a bit and now everyone's a bit sort of, that was a terrible idea, you know? <laughs> Just kicking people in the dick is how you win the WWE title nowadays. Poor, poor AJ's dick. Lucky he's already had all of his kids because <laughs> that's ridiculous. Well, isn't that how he won it from Jinder in the first place? He kicked him in the dick. Did he? I think that's how it happened. So, like, we've gone full dick circle. Full dick circle. Amazing, isn't it? Um, so, yeah. Shibata. Back to Shibata. Sorry, I got on a sidetrack there. Um, collapsed, almost died. Came back, though. Can't remember the name of the event he came back at. Did a back bump, and I've never seen a man happy to do a bump in his life. <laughs> yeah, that was brilliant. When his yeah, when his music kicked in, the um, pop was just insane, wasn't it? It was brilliant. They could they could do a good movie about that. Oh god, yeah. Oh, that'd be lush, wouldn't it? Yeah, Shibata's last stand in cinemas. If they could do Detective Pikachu and make it work, what what else is I possible? I want to see a double feature of Shabbat's Last Stand and Jushin Liger's film. <laughs> we still haven't found out. We need to... No, you said you would. You I'm, said you'd find it I for me. I am trying, mate. I am talking to find some dodgy it. people. I am meeting people <laughs> at cargo docks. It's getting weird. I feel like asking for English subs is almost too much. Like, if you could just get it, that's enough for me. English subs would be incredible. But um, we can watch it and just work out what's going on, can't I we? Don't. I think it's one of those, like, art house, back to art house again and you don't need the 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 message on the screen tells the story (laughs) right shall i uh do my number one then and then you can do yours uh yeah go on then my number one is a man named cactus jack and Ah. which cactus jack injury is a very good question but i feel like the one where he loses a goddamn ear is a good place to start in Germany, wasn't it? Germany, Munich, 1994. It was a WCW, WCW European tour. He was facing Vader, and he did the classic hangman spot that he's done a hundred times, where the ropes fold over and you're caught, and you're like, ah, oh, I'm hanging myself, it's gross. It looks great, it's a great it's spot. It's a great spot, um, but legitimately, this time, the ropes were far too tight, and he did start to strangle himself, and he just couldn't get free, because the way they were kind of contorted and tightened it was just impossible to get his big ass back over the top of him so a referee tried to like get some space to get his head out of it mick kind of wriggles himself and pulls himself down through the ropes and for people who aren't aware ropes and wrestling are kind of like metal with tape wrapped around them so it's like wires all put together with tape and yeah he completely tore off his uh off his ear and it's disgusting it is disgusting. Have you read Mick's book, his first I've one? I've not, no. So he talks about this and um, says that when he was in like A&E or whatever afterwards, sitting there and um, sort of ex- basically expecting his ear to be stitched back on or something. And um, so he's sitting there, doesn't speak German, and he can't work out what the nurse is saying. But then she basically, he takes his ear that he'd added a tissue and just chucks it in the bin. <laughs> he says it's like right in front of him, and he says it's the most like emasculating thing in the world to just watch a part of your body just get chucked away in the bin, like it's nothing. That's brilliant and disgusting, but again, brilliant. And yeah, a yeah. man's ear comes off. How is that not your number one? 
Yeah, it is ridiculous, isn't it? It's just, yeah, and I love looking at his ear now. Do you remember when he um, cut all his hair off? Yes, and you um, not long ago. It. It's always a treat. It's always a treat when he cuts all his hair off because you can look at his mangled ear again. That's what I always look forward to. They've tried to kind of like rebuild it and make it a little bit more normal now, but yeah, if you actually watch, uh, there's a video online as well if anyone's uh, curious to see his ear getting taken off. I've never actually watched it. It's, it's all right. The footage isn't great. You, you kind of get yeah. the... It's mainly just a man struggling. And then, yeah, you don't see any kind of fly off, unfortunately. No, that's a shame. <laughs> Sorry, Jesse. <laughs> but, yeah, imagine... Because he's told so many stories of, um, like, the C4, when he had a match with C4, and it blew up and took a chunk of his arm off. Um, oh, yeah. And he comes home, and his wife's like, what's that smell? He's like, nothing, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and he leaves it a couple of days and then it gets worse and she's like what is that smell and his arm is just so grossly infected from the C4 as Ugh. it would be and then obviously falling off uh, just all sorts just all sorts of horrible shit has happened to Mick Foley he's had an interesting life hasn't he he has and he's still kicking and then there's people half his age who's done not as much and they're all dead Exactly, it's ridiculous, and the amount of like head trauma that Mick Foley's had in his life and stuff, and he seems totally fine, doesn't he? He just seems like um, just a no- nice, normal dude. He doesn't seem to have any brain damage whatsoever. No, well, another one just, I was going to put on here, but again, it wasn't really an injury. Well, it was. He got knocked unconscious, but against the Rock in the I Quit match, where he was handcuffed and then beaten with a steel chair. Oh yeah, the... whilst his family cried. Yeah, it's time. one of our favourite stories that we like to tell. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, he was legit knocked out and then got all flirted with his wife afterwards. Yeah, he Doesn't did. Make sense. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> what a Some man. people are just meant to live. That, that's what I'm taking away from it. Yeah, Mick is one of those treasures. Yeah. So that's my number one. And a man loses his ear. I feel like I've been quite graphic in my top five, so you're welcome, everyone. Nice. So, my number one, um, I feel, I've put this at number one because i feel like this injury defined um the biggest one of the biggest stars in wrestling so it's it made his career it made a whole movement i think um this is stone cold bruising his spinal column and suffering temporary paralysis versus owen hart Ah, at SummerSlam 1997 a classic exactly so it is a classic it was a match for the intercontinental title it was a kiss my ass match which is something that people don't tend to bring yeah. up when they talk about this injury nowadays um very out of character for owen hart to do something so dangerous um you could clearly see how low stone cold like that sit out pole driver with austin round that way i've never seen anyone do that before no or since it's just not a move because it's only going one way it's gonna so you know whoever you're doing it to is gonna land on their head it's very difficult to um fake uh it's very out of character for owen to do that um also very out of character for owen that according to stone cold um owen hart never really apologized to him never um rang him up made sure he was okay didn't seem to sort of care how badly he'd hurt him um which is interesting, I thought. But um, also, bless. Yeah. <laughs> but um, also, a blessing in disguise for Stone Cold because um, he had to change his style of wrestling after this. He couldn't do the sort of technical stuff he was doing before because of the limitations of his neck. So he became more of a brawler, which was much more in keeping with the Stone Cold character, I think. 
um, and made him a lot more relatable. And also, um, because he was such a rising star at this time, they didn't want him to be off telly. So they gave him the mic a hell of a lot more after this injury because he couldn't wrestle so much. So he talked every week and he's amazing on the mic and completely got over as, you know, the working class hero on what he was saying, not what he was doing. Um, and it was this year. So, you know, he won the Royal Rumble um, the after this in 98 and then won the title from Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania. He became a massive star in just a few months after this. And the whole rise is thanks to this injury, I think, because his talking got him over. That's what I like about you, Jesse. You always see the positives in life. <laughs> and I know now he probably can barely sleep at night. He certainly can't turn over because he's like borderline paralysed in his neck. But it gave him a career. It massively shortened his career. But it also um, it turned him into arguably the biggest wrestling superstar of all time. Yeah. And it all started with this injury. I can agree with that. And but the one thing about this match is, I still to this day don't understand why they didn't call an audible when the shitty schoolboy roll up because like the rest are checking on him because Austin is hurt bad. Like Owen has to kind of like just be waved off and be like, "I'm the best," but I'm really concerned. I've killed <laughs> a man. And then he comes over and Austin has to kind of just limp over, crawl himself over, and schoolboy roll up. It's just the worst. It it's is. Awful. awful. Yeah, it is the worst. It's terrible. Have Owen pin him. Well, yeah, but then... It weakens the blah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. They, they did, I, I wish um, that Owen would have had to have kissed Stone Cold's paralysed ass. <laughs> after they the just match. roll him over and pull his trunks down. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, that would have been unsettling. <laughs> it would but uh, but yeah i think um i think it's the most important injury in the history of wrestling yeah i can agree with that i can agree with that well done jesse thank you i think that was a good top five we didn't um we weren't morbid were we yeah. we didn't do any death ones we kept it fun yeah now on to the morbid backups that we've got <laughs> so actually there's actually um there's um a couple that make me laugh, but they don't count because they didn't happen in ring. Okay. Like um, uh, Undertaker setting himself on fire in his entrance oh, yeah. at the Elimination Chamber. Do you I remember do. that? I do. He had to kind of stand. And his leather jacket stuck to him and he got like really bad yeah, burns. Yeah, he had to stand that. in the Elimination um, Chamber, didn't he, with like third degree burns? <laughs> yeah, just st- steaming in his pod. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, so but that didn't happen in the ring technically. Um, there's also Triple H versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania when Triple H is walking out. The weird dry ice stuff that gets on him and burns oh, yeah. him. Do you remember yeah, that? that? Burns him as well. Yeah, and he's walking down, and the lighting makes it look like someone's jizzed all over it. <laughs> but as it turns out, it was uh, Birdie horrible stuff. That made me laugh. Um, and. Uh, what what have you got? What's your honorary mention? Uh, so mentions? I've got a couple here, which I thought were going to be in your list, which is why I kind of uh, left them out. Um, Sabu having his neck broken by Benoit. I thought for sure. I did. Yeah, I did heavily consider it. What was Sabu thinking on that? I had no idea. Absolutely no idea. That's that's all Sabu, yeah. isn't it? Because he sort of... Well, I thought... When I he's don't a... know what Benoit's going for, because it looks like he's going for a shin breaker, because I've never seen any suplex that starts with someone's leg. Yeah, and then Sabu just decides he's going to try and flip. And he just doesn't. But he decides to start flipping when he's about two inches away from yeah, the man. Yeah, and he just lands straight on his head. And then comes back three months later and jumps through a table. 
Yes, Fucking ridiculous. Uh, another one I thought would be on your list, Brock Lesnar snaps Hardcore Holly's neck. That was a good one. Um, Brock Lesnar had the flu, apparently, when he um, was wrestling that match, and that's why he says that he um, lost or wasn't quite strong enough to lift Holly as safely as he would have uh, liked. Okay. Uh, Vince Man Quad, Steve Austin, got that one. Hiromu breaking his neck. Do you know about... Oh, sorry, 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 just before we move on. Um, have you ever read Hardcore Holly's book? We must have talked about this book before. We've talked about it, but I haven't read it. You have to. It's amazing because he's such a bitter, bitter man. Every chapter. So he talks about like all the mid-carders that have come and gone, but also, which is really interesting in what he thought of them. But also, um, he talks basically. He talks about he's so angry that he was never given a main event run for all the good service and time he was put into the company. And when you think about it, he's really like the only one, isn't he, that never got a huge run that was there for so long, and. Yeah, he's just livid about it and thinks that he should have been this big star. And he talks about this when he came back from this neck injury. He got a WWE title match against Brock Lesnar at Royal Rumble, but was just completely squashed. And he's just, yeah, he's got these high ideas of himself well, that are very, very one funny. One thing I read earlier, and I, I don't know if this is true, you might be able to shed some light, because another one I found was, do you remember when Harker Holly sliced his back open facing RVD? Um, and it yes. was a horrible, like really big gash on him. It was really cool to look at, but gross. Um, <laughs> but I read somewhere that he wanted to have a main event run. This was when he first came into the company, 2001. He wanted to have an undefeated streak that would lead to him winning the world title. That's That was his pitch. He was like, I need to be undefeated. You know, around the time that Austin and Rock were the hottest they've ever been, he was like, I need to be in that picture. Are you talking about yeah, Holly? Yeah. Yeah, Holly. Now, he would have been in the company long before 2001. Yeah, but he... I think this was when it was pitched. That's when he wanted to do it. Oh, okay. It's... But yeah, he's, yeah, that sounds like exactly the sort of thing that he would um, he would come up with. And just, he would come up with all these ideas for Vince, and Vince would just politely tell him, no, you're awful. And um, just let, let him carry on being a big carder. But Holly stayed there, didn't he, for he a did. long time? He did. Um, the the only other injury I had was uh, Bret Hart's career-ending kick to the head from Starcade, which led to oh yeah. yeah the stroke and all that kind of shit. What a miserable yeah that um, miserable couple of years Bret Hart had. just a, just a little bit <laughs> yeah Bled. poor guy. Nineteen ninety four, Hardcore Holly joined WWE full time really no yeah ninety four and never escaped the big cut. Wow, you should have a chat with. TK Amambo. They could sort yeah. him out, couldn't they? He's still wrestling, I think. Um, the odd indie date here and there, alcoholic. He's covered himself in tattoos oh, now. It's weird. It's, sin. it's weird when people like suddenly decide to get loads of tattoos when they're like 50. Yeah, like it? when Jericho's done it. He started off with one and then just went, fuck it. I've got a lot of money. I'll cover yeah. myself. Yeah, it's weird. It's, it's a young yeah. man's I game. like his Canadian flag under his bicep, but I think that's all I like. Oh, I haven't noticed that, actually. I'll yeah, look it's up a nice that. one. Um, so, yeah, those are all the horrific injuries that can happen in wrestling. Um, from experience, take it easy in the ring, because shit can just happen randomly, and it sucks. So, <laughs> Or just or just leave it to capable people. Or, or that. Um, but as we've seen, these <laughs> capable people get hurt as well, and you lose ears, and you yes. get floppy legs and things of that nature. So, uh, yeah. Be supportive, guys. That That's the message we're getting across today. Be supportive. Be safe. And I'm glad you're back. And I 
um, yeah, welcome back, and I, I hope you don't leave me again. That was really hard for you to say, wasn't it? <laughs> that was actually really genuine. Thank you, mate. That's all right. I hope you're okay. <laughs> I could hear it in last week's when you were like taking the piss out of me, but you're like, please get well. Please come back. Yeah, no, yeah. Oh man, no, I loved. So um, I meant to talk about this. I, I loved hosting with Steve. You, I don't. You're probably listening, Steve. Uh, it was fantastic. You're an amazing guest host. Thanks to the editing and stuff. I was livid when he didn't get my fuck nose joke. <laughs> I know you were. You've been telling everyone. I was so angry. Not only have I been telling everyone, I've had messages from people. People have messaged me saying, um, oh, "I could hear how annoyed you were when Steve didn't get your fuck nose joke." <laughs> I was like, oh man, that annoyed me. I was so proud of that one as well. I was really fucking quick with that. It was a good joke. Thank you. You're welcome. Jesus. You well, at least, at least it's been commended now, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I should have I called him on it. I don't know why I didn't. I should have called him on it last week. I, I was going to say, if I miss anything, I get called out immediately. So I don't want any I special I being, treatment. I had misguided politeness in my head or something. You fool, you fool, Jesse. So, just to, uh, before we sign off and say goodbye to you for another two weeks, and it is fantastic to be back, by the way. I've missed doing this with you, Jesse, and I've missed talking to all of you listeners. So, hopefully, I don't do anything stupid like this again, and we get to continue. It was the worst timing. We get sponsorship with Monkey Banana, we get a lovely advert in Cooling Spots, and then you happen. (laughs) (laughs) You sound just like my mother. (laughs) <laughs> so next week uh we're going to be on steve's podcast as we mentioned so if you wanted to you could have like a three week dose of us which probably isn't advisable and we'll be on steve's podcast talking about nxt takeover war games probably we'll talk about that the most and we'll filter in a bit and of survivor, survivor series, series. Yeah, we'll, yeah we'll get a bit in there i think steve said to me actually last week he said as opposed to reviewing the whole show like we have done before we're going to do a sort of top five moments of the show. Oh, I like that. Which I think is quite a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, like yeah I forgot to say to you, but yeah, he, he said that to be off air, which is a good idea. Cool, that works for me. Um, go and check out our sponsor, obviously, Monkey Banana. They're fantastic if you're looking for microphones and that kind of stuff, because I know a lot of you podcasters listen to this show. So go and get some sweet-ass equipment. And check out the website, www.gottill5.com, or as Jesse says... Gotchill5.com. Much easier to say. And check out our new interview sections and all the cool stuff that's on there now. And buy a copy of Calling Spots. Easy. Yes, definitely. Easy. So follow us everywhere at Gotchill5. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're a new listener, stick with us. Uh, go check out old episodes. And uh, thank you for your custom. We appreciate it. Huzzah! Um, oh yeah, you're supposed to be getting interviews like every show, so obviously we'll forgive you for last week's with Steve. Although Steve counts. Steve counts, that's what I'm um, saying. Yeah, nice. Um, so, have you got anyone lined up for next show? Not yet, but it's two weeks away. Okay, I look forward to seeing what you pull out your ass. You're really not letting this go, are you? <laughs> no, I'm going to keep hold you to this until you fail. Okay, cool. I'm, and that's what's going to push me to succeed. This is why we work <laughs> so well as a me team. Me too, it's just all... Bitter resentment is what keeps us together. I'll keep pushing him till he fails while I'll show him. (laughs) Oh, lovely. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week. Uh, Share and like it around, do all that cool stuff, and we will see you soon. Love you. Goodbye. Bye! You have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. You got to the count of five.